Audio. So, Ox Populi, episode 14. My guest this week is Holly Davis, another artist I met at Metro in Chicago for last month's Raw Artists event. Holly is a painter, and if you'd care to see more of her work after listening to this episode, you can find her on Instagram under hdavis underscore est1994. Another quick plug this week, alongside this show today, you can find the series premiere of Ghost Stories, hosted by Ashley Grant. Every Thursday for eight episodes, join Ashley as she hunts down ghosts in the paranormal one haunted location at a time. You can also follow the show on Instagram under Ghost Stories Show. And now help me welcome my 14th guest, artist and painter, Holly Davis. I definitely wanted to be an artist or an activist. Like in the fifth grade, there was this assignment where, you know, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And they gave us a historical person to like study and write a paper about it. So I said I wanted to be an activist and I cannot remember the name of the person I was given, but she was like, uh, she ran like a community center and um, helped like foster kids have access to education and stuff. So like, I always thought that, like, my place would be firmly rooted in, like, giving back to my community, but, like, in terms of, like, specifics, I was a lot more clear when I was a child than I am as a young adult. Young adult? How old are you? I'm 24. I'll be 25 in um, gotcha. November. I think you might be, at 24, almost 25, young adult is is probably past that. You're, I think you're now just an adult. At I, least legally, I, you're an adult. I don't know. I, it I depends don't think, on who you talk to. Yeah, I think I think if the draft was reinstated, you probably couldn't say to the government, but I'm a young adult. So you yeah, can't. it's true. I don't think that's going to happen. Though. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the first meaningful impact of art upon your life when you were young? So um, my mom was very, very into us like doing our absolute best in school and so I had to take a test I took this test and then I did well and they said because you did well you have options to take these classes so I took a class at the art institute that was about art history for like seventh graders and we would just go around the whole museum and like talk about the paintings and I just loved it I that was like my like that was like my moment where I was just like I am meant to know about this stuff, even if it's not in a formal, like, professional capacity. Like, I am meant to be educated about art. Has it involved a lot of self-education on your part? I think so. I think because of the college I went to was very, like... What college? Denison University. Where's that at? It's it's a little bit... It's, like, 40 minutes away from Columbus, Ohio. It's a liberal arts college. And it was very much that, like, teachers would give you direction, but you had to... You, you had to bring the projects and the and the responsibilities to fruition. So I learned a lot of independence around learning about art through that process. And in high school, like in public school, art history really isn't offered in the city. So like to learn about it, like I had to be very self-motivated and I worked at the Art Institute for two summers through After School Matters. That sounds like that was a lot of fun. It was Awesome. Okay, run me through that. Run me through your experience for those two years. So um, the first first summer I worked there, I believe it was 20, it was 2011, summer of 2011. Um, 
So there were two different options. There was like the family programs interns and the student programs interns. Family programs worked more with like little kids and like um, craft projects for younger kids. And then the student programs actually would welcome all the student groups that came to visit the Art Institute during the summer, explain the rules to them, assist with the guided tours, which the college students were leading, assist with the... um, like the the craft that was hosted by the Art Institute and just be like the the first faces of the Art Institute. And so, um, yeah, I got to like put on my personality and like not be like, I was really exciting to be like, being praised for being outgoing and well-educated and articulate versus being made fun of it. or So it was just a very empowering experience, I felt. Did that opportunity afford you the ability to just explore the Art Institute sometimes? Definitely. Like, we would be able to... We would get there uh, before it would even open and we would be able to like walk around the museum um we would we got these uh bat these um, ids these work ids that got us in for free like it's funny my first dates actually were at the art institute because it was the only place i could get in for free and like i wasn't trying to like spend a ton of money on dinner because i didn't even know if i liked the guy yet so i was just like i'm gonna take you to the art institute because it's free for me so that's how that worked what are your favorite parts i know i know it, the the exhibits constantly change it means some parts definitely don't, and they remain relatively the same. What what were some of your favorite parts of the Art Institute back then? Like, what were you drawn to? Well, still, I'm really... Um I'm really interested in um, American art after, I would say, 1800. That's really exciting to me because um, that's when America starts getting the international recognition as being a melting pot. So you see a lot more women and people of color introduced into the aesthetic of what is American art. And I think that's very exciting. You see uh, like Archibald Motley, for example, is a painter that's in the the American wing. And um, he was painting during the Harlem Renaissance. So a lot of his work um the idea of the new negro and the educated black person and uh black people emerging as americans is very present in his work and i think that speaks to like contemporary issues we deal with with race and background and understanding our identity as it relates to others who have different backgrounds and then the modern wing i absolutely love the modern wing because i'm a contemporary artist so like to see like the difference between modern and contemporary and like how new ideas become accepted into the art world is interesting for me because um I think that it like gives me an idea of how to be an artist in a contemporary way but it also allows me to see that there is community around contemporary artists. There are people who care that we're making this work and that it'll be displayed to the public in some some way in the future. Have you ever had that feeling while walking around? I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be the Art Institute. It could be any gallery or any space where art is being displayed, where it it feels like the artist is reaching out through time and, and touching just you and reaching out to just you. Well, in 2016, I went to an exhibit at the Southside Community Arts Center, which is on 38th in Michigan, the last um, art center funded by the WPA grants from World War II. And um, the exhibit was on uh, the Great Migration. 
And I just felt like the work was really speaking to me because I was in this position of coming into my senior year of college and I didn't really know what I was doing. I didn't know where I was going. And to see these pieces of art that were inspired by these contemporary black artists all about not knowing where where you're going or how you're going to make ends meet or if you were going to be successful, just taking that chance. I think it really, it really resonated with me and made me feel like if they could get through that, then I can get through this. So throughout your life, how have you expressed yourself through art and creativity? I mean, and we're talking about just in any form, like, you know, even even like building a fort, like a pillow fort as a child or like, you know, a lot of people will say drawing or, or, or different things. For, for me, like always creating like little videos with the family camcorder. What, what was your experience like growing up? I would make these like, um, I would get a notebook and I would fill it up with drawings and then I would give it away. I like to, I don't know why but I really was into like making art and giving it away to people even if it wasn't that good like most of it was not that good Here, you can have this <laughs> but like I was like you know I I but I thought it was good at the time but I was like you know I was gonna like give this and then the other thing was I had a music teacher um who was really into jazz and so like from a very young age I got really really into jazz um I've I've seen the um the the 12-part jazz documentary by PBS two times so those are kind of like Ken Burns on jazz or something like that Mm -hmm. yeah so those were my outlets growing up, I felt. Uh, this morning, right after I woke up, I listened to Thelonious Monk plays... Oh, God, who was it? Not John Coltrane. Miles Davis? Not Miles Davis. Oh, God, I'm blanking on it now. But then when I was on the train heading here, it was another... It was Thelonious Monk plays John Coltrane. I wish, mm. I, wish I could remember who the other was. That was such, it's such a great album but i mean like this time of the year and i've discussed this pretty much like a year ago with uh the guest of the time his name was the uh, the child of eve um he's a progressive folk artist and he and i both agreed that the fall is the perfect time for jazz do you agree with that i agree yeah it just it, it clicks yeah I know. Mm-hmm. um so as you were as you're uh growing up uh, maybe high school teens uh, through. I mean, through till now is twenty four, as we've already discovered. But like, how how did you? How else did you evolve creatively? Well, I think like traveling was huge. Like my parents, we were very lucky that our parent our parents took us on family vacations during the summer. So I would always be at museums. Like every place we went, that was, and I'm still like the first thing I like figure out. Um, where to go is like a is a, like an art museum. So like I've been really into like just observing like how how art communicates to tell a story. Thelonious Monk plays Duke Ellington. Yes, that's what it is. Anyway, it was really bothering me. So yeah. I, I, yeah. This is from my Instagram. All right, as you were saying, but um, just being and like um talking with people who appreciate art i was i'm really close with my father um and my mother my dad uh used to tell me that when i was younger i was a really like irritable baby and so (laughs) did he still say that yeah i mean i don't know (laughs) and he but he told me he would um pick me up and take me around the house and explain the art to me and i would completely calm down so ever since then just being around art looking at it writing about it talking about it has always brought me like a sense of peace um 
and, and like a, a like this ability, this I'm sorry, not this ability, this feeling that I'm able to do anything. So. Yeah, we're surrounded by a little bit of of art right now. Who selected these pieces? These are all pieces that, except for the two pa- the wood panels. I did the wood panels, the flowers. I painted those, but um, most of it is art that they picked up on their travels before we were born. Um, I'm. Pr- pretty sure a few of the pieces are from new orleans this rug and the rug on the floor are both from turkey um it's just a very creative house i i i emphasize that yes (laughs) so it's always weird to me when i go over people like who are my age who are just getting their first apartments and i go over their places and the walls are all blank i'm like this is so weird what happens though if you go over and they've got like that Amazon or Target art? That kind well, of- I, don't, I don't. I like I ask them some questions. <laughs> like I'm like, like what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, I'm like you know, it's, you know that you know me, so you you know you have options, have access. <laughs> but like you, you chose this, <laughs> okay? Have you done that for friends before? Where you know they're like, I have some blank wall space. Could you? Well, my friend um, Taylor, I made her a piece for her. Uh, we, we were roommates in college. So when we got, when we were in the apartment, I made a piece of her. But she wanted a portrait, but she didn't wasn't comfortable with her face. Like, she, she didn't want... I want you to paint me, but make it another person. Yeah, it was, it was kind of like she didn't want me to um, paint my impression of her. She wanted, like, how I actually saw her. So I did this, like, abstracted portrait for her, and she hung it up in her room. Uh, Do you have, like, a a picture of that on your personal Instagram or uh, somewhere that's easily accessible? It's on my laptop, but it's it's not. It's on your laptop. It's not on my social media. Gotcha. What I was going to say is that when I do this show and people start bringing up things that they've done, I always say, like, oh, send that to me. I'll include it in the, the social media posts when I, you know, before I before I drop the episode. So if you think of it. Yeah. Send that in. Okay. Let me tell you the success rate with uh, people actually doing that. Uh, one person has done that so far where I've said, hey, send that in to me. And then they actually did. Well, I'm a bit... I have... Everyone is multidimensional, but I am a bit of a go-getter, so I think I'll remember. You know, I get that vibe off of you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so which forms of artistic expression and creativity do you wish you were good at? So you look at other people. I wish I played an instrument. And I, like... Me too. And, like, I have no excuse because I, I did... I was in violin for a couple years, but then I quit because I didn't want to memorize the music. And learn how to like. I just didn't want to memorize it. And like he, he was like, and like we had these like long arias from opera that we were supposed to memorize. And I was like, this isn't fun. This is not. So the problem is not that you can't do it, which is my issue. Your problem is like this is this is a lot of work. Yeah, I was in the fifth grade. Like I didn't know. Oh uh, well, yeah. What fifth grader wants to put that much? <laughs> but do you think you could pick it up now, or is that time passed? Um, I don't know. I think I could, just because I think that um, I I I like pursue education in my free time like I like to be informed about things I watch the news I listen to podcasts I watch documentaries so like I feel like if I if I just applied myself and had the time I would definitely I could definitely do it when you go to shows like the show that I met you at do you ever look around at what other people are doing and think 
oh, I wish that was something that I could do. Or do are you fine being you? Um, both, <laughs> to be honest. Oh, interesting. I mean, like, sometimes, a lot of the time, I'm like, I'm glad I do what I do, and I'm glad that, like, it's unique to me, and that it that it is signature of me and that people can like recognize my work before they see me I think that's great but like sometimes I wish that like I had more I don't know how to say it but like technical training like not even the creative part but like what's all creative but like the part where it's about perspective and proportion relationships and and value that type of thing because I felt like I studied art all four years at school but I felt like I didn't get enough of the foundations of making art I got a lot of like how to write an artist statement how to think more um conceptually which are really critical skills but I think I would have benefited from learning just a little bit more about how to like realistically represent certain things just so that I can play with realism and surrealism more intentionally within my work because I think sometimes I just fall into it instead of like Mm. planning it out and like executing it Mm. if that makes sense are you comfortable with your limitations um i'm not because i'm always trying to get better i like like i i'm always trying to grow and expand myself so like if i'm if i have the same limitation year after year that frustrates me i i I would rather have a different limitation that i have to conquer versus the same i think do you ever struggle with jealousy not really I, like, oh, well, that's good. Like, to be very honest, like, I decided... Uh, please. <laughs> to be, I decided a couple years ago that the best the, the best way for me to, like, move forward is to be authentic and grateful. And so je- jealousy doesn't really fit into that mindset. Because if you're grateful, you're, you realize all that you do have and, like, what you don't have kind of disappears in importance because you're, you've been given so much or I've been given so much. So, Have you ever had uh, many avenues for collaboration with people? I had more in college because I because there were four classes of art yeah. majors and we all shared a building and we saw each other all the time. Um, it's harder now that um, I have friends and artists all over the country and all over the world, so it's hard to like get together and make stuff. Also, um, I feel like artists have like the most unpredictable schedules I've ever encountered in my life. Yeah, like it's really hard to like artists of all fields. Yeah, it's really hard to like get like time off. The both people. It's it's even harder if it's like three or four people. It's it's hard. Um, do you feel like you're part of any particular scene here in Chicago or do you feel like you're kind of by yourself a little bit? Um, I think that was a good call putting that phone over there. Yeah, (laughs) I think, um, I've been really welcomed by both the Southside Community Arts Center and Woman Made Gallery, which is on Canalport. And so I see myself fitting into the like progressive, diverse art scene within Chicago. What I've been finding about that is that everyone kind of knows everyone within that art scene. So you can't burn bridges and you can't like... 
With some people, maybe, but you have to be very careful. Right. You have, you just, and I like, that's cool. You can choose your battles. Yeah. And that's cool with me because I lived in a tiny town for four years, so I understand the politics. Um, What tiny town was that? uh, Granville, Ohio. So how did you end up coming uh, from Ohio to here? I grew up here. I'm from here. I'm from Chicago. So when when were you in Grand- Ohio? Yeah, yeah, I was in Granville, Ohio, from uh, August of 2013 to December of 2017. Oh, okay, and that was where the school mm-hmm. was. Like, oh, now I understand. Okay, so you're you're Chicago Chicago born and raised. And you just spent four years consistently. Did you ever come back or did you stay? I took a semester off um, in the fall of 2016. How did you end up choosing the school that you did? Um, So it's kind of an interesting story. Um, I was a Posse Scholar nominee. And so I went to Denison to for a tour uh, the summer after my junior year, and then I got really sick. I have Crohn's disease, which is a digestive disorder. I uh, yeah, one of my roommates, my freshman year roommate at Columbia, had Crohn's. Yeah, so I got really really sick. I wasn't able to like apply for college or tour any more colleges. So I got to the second round of the posse interviews passed out didn't make the interview but I got into Denison and so it was one of it was one of those choices I had before I got sick that I really liked um and I just went on a whim I really wanted to get out of Chicago and so that was the best option what was that need to get out of Chicago at that time um I felt like I knew a lot of like like liberal democrat type people who like agreed with me on most things and i wanted to be exposed to kind of like the suburban like rural cultures that i never really interacted with on a personal level just because i didn't grow up around them so i just wanted and i was really interested in having going to a school with a large international community because i've traveled so much so i just wanted like different types of people and i felt like it would like educate me more about community because i feel like chicago is so segregated that like the same types of people live together Oh, that's absolutely true, and especially you know, as far as artistically, mm-hmm. as well. Something I was I say so often to people is like, in as much as the neighborhoods in Chicago are segregated, so are all the arts. You know, you've got actors with actors, directors with directors. You know, everybody just kind of stays within their own mm-hmm. circle of people. So yeah, I just wanted to like meet tons of different people and I felt like college was the time to do it like when else do you have time to just study and network like so that's what I did why why is this particular part of Ohio such a magnet for people from different backgrounds well Denison is a top 150 school of liberal arts so it, like we do really well academically and like Mike Eisner, the CEO of Disney, is a alum oh, okay. of De- of Denison. Uh, Jennifer Gardner, Steve Carell, those are our alumni. So, um, and there and then there are like all the successful people from Denison who don't have name uh, household names. So, um, and they do a really good job of like getting alumni to come back and like go to college fairs in their in their hometowns and stuff. So the, the admissions um, department of Denison is very, very strong. They're very good at with community outreach. 
Do you experience anxiety or depression? I do. do. <laughs> so excited about that. Run me through it. Well, I, I deal with depression, um, anxiety. Um, I don't. I don't particularly feel that it is a disability to me. I think that it lives with me. I don't live with it, so to speak. So, like, for me, it's it's mo- most of the way I, that I deal with it is by saying grateful. You know, that, like, I wasn't born in the 60s where, like, I would just be considered a like crazy woman that needed to be restrained and like and I'm grateful that I live in a a, I live where I have health insurance and I'm grateful that I have parents that are understanding and friends that are understanding so to me I just bring it back to all that I have and that and that really really helps me deal with it what's a reliable trigger for these feelings um I guess when like when like no one in my in my um close circle has reached out for a while that can be pretty hard because it's like i guess you all hate me yeah it's like it's like you guys like i've told you guys i have these problems like why aren't you checking i knew you all secretly hated me yeah thank you for confirming it yeah so that can be a little difficult do you and it can be uh oh sorry no no you go ahead it can be really difficult um dating sometimes because I feel like some people are raised to be so hard and strong that it's it's really difficult sometimes for people to open up about things like depression or anxiety because it triggers something within themselves that they don't want to bring out um and that can be really difficult because I am a communicator like I don't I don't think by not talking about it that it's going to get better. So that could be a little trying, I think. No, in my experience, talking about things has always made everything better. Yeah. Uh, Because then you find out you have common ground with people. And Mm -hmm. there's a lot more common ground than a lot of people are willing to admit. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, since I started doing this show, I've realized that apart from maybe a few names, every time I ask this question... Somebody says, I either have anxiety, depression, or both. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's, I, this is, you know, this version of the show, this is my 14th recording. The previous version of the show, when I was at a different company, I did 56 episodes. So, you know, uh, well, is this, am I just now realizing this is my 70th episode? Yeah. I'm not so bad at math. So now that we're at my 70th episode, and I'm saying like maybe one or two people have said to me, you know, no, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. That's a lot of people mm-hmm. who have said yes. So there's a lot of us out there, whether, whether we're willing to admit it or not. But I think we are hitting this point right now where more people are starting to talk about it. And it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. You know, the only people who are unwilling to, you know, admit that there's something going on here, probably, you know, like our parents' generation. Who they grew up in a time where it's just kind of like those things don't exist. Mm-hmm. You know, you're just choosing to be sad. Mm-hmm. It's like I don't know about that. Um, can you be creative during times of depression and anxiety? I definitely think so because I think that um, not always, but I try to be very intentional with how I consume media. I try to like support um, media that bring certain stories to light and, and, and 
and um, uplifts artists. So like even when I'm like really like not feeling it, I'm still looking at artists on Instagram or researching images for paintings I'll do later um, or listening to music. I think that um, it's more difficult when it's more difficult when you have responsibilities because what happens is you use all of your outgoing energy, your happy energy for your responsibilities. And when you come home or when you come or when you have time to relax, you don't have the energy to be creative because you already used it. So then it turns to a lot of sleeping. <laughs> what I, how I always describe it is like, I'm an introvert masking as an extrovert. Mm-hmm. And it does take a like uh, back when I used to do sometimes record these shows, like three episodes in a row on some Saturdays. I would get off of that experience having to have that personality on that entire time and just have no energy and be absolutely drained and think all of those people hate me <laughs> and all that. Um, so yeah, having to put on that personality can be very... And it's been a little easier because I was diagnosed with Crohn's before I was diagnosed with depression. So I, I was... I've been very used to have being in physical pain, like extreme physical pain and like having to perform like my second summer at the Art Institute. I was very, very ill. I would be throwing up on my lunch break and I would still be able to like welcome the guests and like be present. So um, that so having Crohn's has actually prepared me a little bit for depression, but they both suck. (laughs) Well, it just sounds like you had some training to develop develop like a harder outer shell like a shield yeah because i was i was diagnosed with crohn's when i was 14 so i like had a lot of time to like be like why is the world so unfair that you gave me this illness and like accept it and move on and just like deal with it without having to like wallow in my own self-pity basically not that not that depression or um, having illness is not worthy of some self-pity, I think, but not just not making that my dominant trait. I Everybody think. deals with it one way or another, and as long as you get through it, it's fine. Right, exactly. You mentioned a few things before. Another thing that I like to ask people is what's a good Band-Aid for you to use during times of depression and anxiety? Just something that's fun that gets your head in a different space. Um, I really love, uh, like, taking long walks and being on the phone. I love that. I like, so, like, my my friend Taylor, Tegan, Gabe, Jake, like, they all know that, like, when Holly calls and she starts with, I'm just chilling, that it's going to be, like, a two- or three-hour experience, so. Do they ever screen your calls? Yes. Taylor, Tegan, Gabe, and Jake. I remembered all of them. Very good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Taylor's gotten uh, several shout-outs so far on this Yeah, show. I'm very close to her. Okay. Oh, wow. Sorry to Tegan and Gabe and Jake. No, I'm very close to them, too. It's just... Um, Not as much as Taylor, who is great. Well, it's... it's what does Taylor have that makes her so special? Well, I don't want to put all her business in the street. I just want to make sure... I just want to make sure that when Taylor listens to this, she's going to be smiling. It's just... She's just... She's a very uh, good listener, very compassionate, and um, we... And her father is actually an artist, so I just feel like she understands, like my mental 
chaos better than anyone outside my family has ever had. So it's it's been an honor to know her. Not to leave them out. Uh, let's let's have like one good thing about Tegan, Gabe, and Jake. Tegan is always unapologetically herself, which is fucking banging. It is awesome. Gabe is very compassionate and willing to listen to other points of views, which is super impressive. Jake just really connects with me on current affairs and philosophy and politics and uh, culture and relationships between groups of people and community. So they're just they're just really a strong bunch of people. They're great. <laughs> You're going to tell them to listen to this? Yes. Especially now? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So like my previous guest and like uh, we were talking about uh, before we started recording, um, met you at Raw Artists uh, mm-hmm. last month at Metro right. in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, in my previous guest that I met there, Megan Trulio, um, I think I met her before you. At one point, I was just walking around, meeting different people, just introducing myself, saying, hey, you know, I, I love your work. You want to, how, how would you feel about being on the show? Actually, I don't think I've ever asked anybody that. How did you feel when I said, hey, you want to be on a podcast? Oh my God, I was so excited. Really? You have no idea. I was like, yes. <laughs> I was like, I, oh. <laughs> I was like, yes, someone is paying attention. I was just like really excited. And um, I love to, I love um, meeting new people. So like, this is great. And I've always loved podcasts because like I used to listen to um, WCPT, a 20 progressive talk radio since I was like 12. So like, and I would call into the radio shows, and, like comment about things. And um, that's adorable. <laughs> thanks. So yeah, this was like totally up my alley. Um, um, I've done some, I've done a little bit of interviewing for a research project. So I just, it's cool to be on the other side. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm sure. Cause I honestly having to be the one that hosts, I never pictured myself being a talk show host. And now that I'm on this side, it's like, I would really love people just to ask me questions. That's, it's, it's it pretty, would be so nice. I could lay my head on my shoulder and yeah. just like, Yes. <laughs> Um, who are you on the canvas that you are not in your personal life? I think I'm a little bit more, I think I'm a little bit more concerned with beauty when I'm on the canvas than I am in per, in real life. Like I'm way more. And why are you wearing that ball gown right now? Oh yeah. This, this lovely thing. Um, I do. I mean, I love clothes. I love to look nice, but, um, I think that when I'm painting, I'm more invested in it being beautiful to people who don't, who don't necessarily see themselves as beautiful. And that's hard because it's like, how do you, with one image, take a relationship that's been probably years in the making and like change it to see for them to be like, well, if that if that's beautiful, maybe I am too. So that's really challenging, I think. Where does a concept begin for you? Lots of research. I am a nerd. I like. I look up. <laughs> yeah, I'm a nerd. I'm a super nerd. Um, I I I will look up images for hours until I find what I'm looking for. I like to look up images for hours and then combine several of them in the same painting um, to create like a new story. Um, I like to, like, if I'm, I do a lot of portraits, and the portraits that I do of people that I know, I like to talk to them about what, what is beautiful to them, and, like, how they felt growing up, and 
just like lots of things. So like, I but like I do, I, I have an iPad and it's just full of images. And like, they're all images of things that I want to paint or want to draw. They're not that many personal images on there. So definitely lots of research and questions and. What makes you happy about a project and what frustrates you? Um, I'm usually happy when there is a lot of emotion in the faces of the people I portray. Like if there's, if I do a drawing when like the face looks just kind of dead or like not like it's thinking about something, I tend to start over. So that's really something that um, I think is successful in a piece. I also think if the, if people respond to the use of color, like, either in a positive or a negative way, but if they comment on it, that's an extremely successful piece because I do love color. How often do you find yourself having to start over? Not that often. Oh, I, so you're good. I'm not, it's not that. I just like, I just Why like, not just agree with it? Go like, yeah. I, <laughs> well, I like, to, I like to tell people <laughs> that. Confidence. I, I am confident, but like what I tell people is that I am well-practiced though. Like I have a lot of, hours behind this so i don't want people to think it's unattainable just because i'm good it's just a matter of i didn't mean like naturally good i mean sure it took you some it, it took effort to get there but that's why you're good i think so thank you all right so that's what you got to say to people now you know in these next shows that you're doing is like i'm good i try and just just remember this <laughs> <laughs> this moment um you were starting to tell me uh, when I met you about the pieces that you had on display and what you were going for with that because you, you, it was on a theme. What was that? Remind me again what that theme was. Um, just like I was a women's studies major in college. So it, to me, it was just a reflection of being a woman like a year after being in the academy and like learning about it from like an academic point of view um and so to me and to learn about it like I want to learn about it not necessarily surrounded by women my same age who are going through similar things so just like exploring femininity um and the questions that I still have and the ways that I still want to grow as a woman um it's and, and the reason I did it in the Ross showcase was the next show I was in, Art After Dark on the 13th, that focused more on masculinity. So they were, they were um, complementing each other, those two shows. How would you describe your art to someone who cannot see? The highest form of hope and what feelings look like. Hmm. How would your art be described by a critic? Um, has your art ever been described by a critic? It has. Um, usually what they say is like dynamic, interesting, beautiful. But I have had a critic um, who told me that I would never get anywhere <laughs> because... What was this piece of okay, shit? Okay, so in my junior year of college I had this painting professor and he brought in his friend who was another painting professor and he like it was so funny because like this dude literally all he did was smudgy squares but like 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 I'm serious like they were just squares you, you are Mark Rothko yeah he was 
like, I was like, okay, whatever. There's only one man that can do smudgy squares, and he's dead. Yeah, and so I, like, I was interested in his perspective because his work was, like, the opposite of mine. And so he was just like, you know, you're never going to get anywhere with three or four prints. And, like, and and your big speech about, like, um, what do you say? Like, about identity and race. Like, it's not all about race. And I, I didn't even say anything. I was just like... Okay, I didn't say I was like I am not going to be the angry black woman, not today, and <laughs> that's for Tuesday. <laughs> and uh, but it, but like I I um, my work got picked up by a blog like a month later and they loved it. So like I never of course because so, there's always some asshole that's going to try and tell you oh I know better and you're never gonna you're never gonna make it and then somebody else um, so many more people are gonna look at you and go like you're amazing you're, and you're great I, I don't really think that um I didn't tell him this but this is what I think now you cannot be a leader in the arts if you undermine other artists mental health and their in their perspective there there has to be a study about that because there are those people in every field of art where they look at everybody else and all they do is tear other people down yeah like, I don't think you can tear down to create or to build it I just don't. says more about them than they are saying about other people right mm-hmm how have you grown emotionally and creatively since you began presenting your art to others? I think I'm a lot more empathetic and I think I'm a lot better with introverted people because I understand that like it takes so much of their own like courage and and it takes a lot to, for them to get to the point where they can present their art to the public because they're so like in their head about like is are people going to respond to this? Are they going to like this? What? I have a friend like that. Yeah. Yeah, and so I think I'm more caring. I also think that I'm way more interested in like being a vehicle for people to access other opportunities. Like after this is over, I'm probably going to send you like five or ten artists that would love to be on the podcast, just because that's uh, perfect. Yeah. Wow. I'm what like, a guest you are. This like is... if I have this opportunity, I know people just as talented as me that deserve it, and you only. And, like, supporting other people just makes you stronger, I think. That's all I try to do. That's, that's what, what people, this whole thing is about. That's why people have families. People realize that, like, having other people in your corner that rely on you and sacrifice for you makes you a more compassionate human being. Who or what inspires you to do better? Um, wow. Lots of people. Um... Angela Davis, for example, um, Melissa Harris Perry, uh, who's a professor in the South, uh, had a show on MSNBC, uh, Rachel Maddow, lots of political people. I love politics. Um, Plato, the allegory of the cave, definitely. Um, wow, Plato even gets a shout out. Bell Hooks, love Bell Hooks. So into her fantastic uh jessica valenti who's a feminist writer taylor obviously mm -hmm. yeah uh baldwin james baldwin josephine baker so interested in like expatriates um dizzy gillespie charlie parker um charlie jo parker also one of the people i was listening to on my way here today. yeah coltrane I'm trying to think of, of someone who's not an artist or into politics. Um, I mean, if it's just like a random person 
named Dave or something. It's well, like, my, my friend... People can't really Google Dave. My friend Arnie Bernstein, he's an author and professor at Triton College. I've grown up with him. When I started high school, he gave me Catcher in the Rye, told me to explain <laughs> being a teenager, and he has been a great mentor and a source of inspiration for me ever since. All right. How do you hope to inspire others? I just think by being, like, authentic, grateful, holding the door of opportunity open for the next person, like, that type of style of leadership is something that I really try really hard to embody because I don't think that the only way you become a leader is through gaining followers on Instagram or on Twitter. It's about, like, living a life that other people can look to as an example and pattern themselves after that. I'm really conscious of that because my sister is 13 and she's just coming into her own self so just being i've got a 14 year old sister yeah so just being like a person that you would want to be like i think is it's not about the followers it's about the content right exactly what is one question you've always wanted to be asked but you've never been asked will you marry me (laughs) i'm just kidding well, I've got nothing going on, right? <laughs> uh, maybe. Well, Holly, this is a whirlwind romance. <laughs> um, I don't, I, I really don't know. I haven't. Um, I guess when you think about moments that have left you kind of empty with people, where you think they could have said so much more, they could have taken so much more of an interest in you and that kind of left you hanging. Have you had many of those moments? Well, I feel like I feel like sometimes like when I meet people who come from more conservative backgrounds, they don't ask why. They just ask what. And I feel like that's kind of limiting because if you just understanding what someone's doing, it can look a completely different way depending on the context. And sometimes I feel and this is this could be I could be guilty of this too. Is that when we're we're we encounter something that's so different, we don't know how to approach it in a respectful way. So we make assumptions and judgments to understand it instead of asking, just asking why. So I think asking why has been something that I wish people would ask me more. That might be the most perfect answer I've ever gotten to that question. I loved that. I loved every second of it. All right, so now is the time for plugs. How can people find out more about you? Where can people find out more about you? What 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 should people look up about Holly Davis? Okay, so you can follow my Instagram, H Davis, H D A V I S underscore E S T nineteen ninety four. Um, so just follow me on Instagram. Um, that would be great. that'd be real plus um but you can also reach me via email um and i i I don't get a lot of emails but when i do get emails about from people who want to reach out and connect i definitely try and follow up i follow up on all my instagram and facebook messages about art so like i'm very i i'm very responsive to anyone who wants to talk about art or life or just anything I had their favorite ice cream flavor. Whatever you need, I will respond. What is your favorite ice cream flavor? Mint chocolate chip. Me too. Really? Mm-hmm. I don't meet a lot of people who like mint chocolate chip as like their favorite. Mm-hmm. It's like always people's like second or third favorite. And I'm like, it's the best. Well, they're, they're crazy. I, 
Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And on that note, Holly Davis, thank you for being on Aux Populi. Thank you for having me. It's been a joy. This has been a production of Aux Audio. For more information on Aux and the Aux Audio Podcast Network, visit us online at auxchicago.com.